can request that the person come out, they'll deliver you a ballot, they'll check your ID, you are incredibly safe to go out. How are you gonna be dressed head to toe in PPE, looking like a more paranoid version of Dexter in his kill room and be like, yeah, no, it's okay, everyone's safe. For those unaware, the man in that very pixelated video is Republican Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. If you missed yesterday's show, he and Wisconsin Republicans opposed all efforts to stop in-person voting in Wisconsin, despite there being a stay-at-home order in Wisconsin. A situation that was so concerning, nerve-wracking, confusing, we saw poll workers quitting en masse. But you know, despite that, Voss thought it made no sense to cancel the election and just push it off to a future date. And really, if there was a photo that expressed how I feel, about this situation, it's this one. This is ridiculous, and reportedly the, the woman in that photo is Milwaukee resident Jennifer Taft. We see her in line to vote. I don't know if you've seen a number of the videos where just the lines stretch so far. And she told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, I'm disgusted. I requested an absentee ballot almost three weeks ago and never got it. I have a father dying from lung disease and I have to risk my life and his just to exercise my right to vote. But anyway, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I have a whole show for you. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, buckle up. Hit that like button and let's just jump into it. And the first thing I wanna talk about today is, you know, over the past few weeks, I've gotten very angry about and have mocked and shamed a number of people who have been ridiculously dismissive of stay-at-home orders, social distancing recommendations, their possible role in being super spreaders of a disease that could affect people that are far more vulnerable than them. But there is a right way and a wrong way to do that. And today, I have the unfortunate job of showing you the man who decided to do it the bad way. John Raidmaker, he is reportedly a physician and he noticed a group of teenage girls who were outside an amphitheater in Louisville, Kentucky. And you know, he was upset that these girls were not following social distancing guidelines and so he and another woman approached them. And then we see this happen. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're leaving. Please, let's not cuss at each other. No, I'm not calling you anything, sir. Just don't talk to us with- This asshole right here. Hey, hey, don't touch, hey, hey. Do not touch! So that clip ends where it appears that he is choking one of the girls. Now reports say that after this, he and the woman left the scene. The video then gets uploaded to the internet. It gets a lot of attention over the past couple of days. There is a lot of outrage about his actions in general. He got physical with several of them. And also because the most extreme violence was directed towards the only black person in the group. Right, but this isn't a story just about outrage. The big update to this is that Raidmaker has now been arrested and charged with strangulation, with a local CBS station also reporting that he's been placed on leave from his job. And with this situation, Louisville police put out a statement saying, obviously we do not advise individuals concerned about social distancing to take matters into their own hands and confront people about it, especially in any physical way. And adding, we ask people who are concerned about large gatherings to call 311 or 911 to report their concerns. And a big thing to note here is that Raidmaker isn't the only person that's gotten physical over the social distancing frustrations. We've seen incidents all over the country with violence coming from both ends. For example, on Monday, the Miami Herald reported that a man and his daughter called out a group of college kids for partying in the Keys. There appeared to be about 20 people drinking. The two confronted them about social distancing, asking them to keep the noise down. And then reportedly, those two got beat with baseball bats. In New York, we saw a report of a 32-year-old pushing an 86-year-old woman by the name of Jane Marshall to the ground because she was standing too close to her. And reportedly, she hit her head on the floor lost consciousness, and then died a few hours later. There have also been reports of when the police get involved, sometimes they overstep. In Colorado, police issued an apology after handcuffing a father in front of his six-year-old for playing in the park. Where a sign at that park said that it was closed, but in finer print said that groups of four could, you know, go walking, hiking, biking, other activities. The man arrested Matt Mooney said that he was just with his wife and daughter, but police said that there were 12 to 15 other people there, so it's unclear if this was like a misunderstanding or if they were part of other smaller groups there. But that eventually led to Mooney refusing to provide ID, maintaining that he didn't do anything unlawful. But he gets handcuffed 
handcuffed, he's back in the patrol car for 10 minutes, they release him. And after this, you had Mooney saying that if anyone was violating social distancing, it was the officer. Saying during the contact, none of the officers had masks on, none of them had gloves on, and they're in my face handcuffing me, they're touching me. And this isn't kind of a he said, she said, the police department has apologized, even in a statement saying it is evident there was an overreach by our police officers. But the final thing I wanna to touch on with this story, on the note of shaming, specifically quarantine shaming. The examples we just talked about are on the more extreme end of that, obviously. Right, I'm gonna be a hero for a second, say the hard thing that just other people are scared to say. Don't hit people with baseball bats or just choke strangers unless it's their thing and they asked you nicely. But in general, nonviolent kinds of shaming can be effective. And this is something that BBC News actually kind of explored writing. Social psychologists say that shaming plays a significant role in enforcing social norms, especially at a time when norms are rapidly changing as a result of coronavirus. And so I guess the main point of this story is don't hit them, but hit them with the don't be stupid. Stupid? And then for a story, I wanted to highlight people that are doing good right now. And among those, you have people like YouTuber Jacksepticeye. Yesterday, he launched a coronavirus charity live stream, initially setting a goal of $300,000, donating $100,000 himself. And as of recording this video, just from his live stream, he has raised over $660,000. In fact, the donation page is still up, so if you'd like to participate as well, I'll link to it down below. Then on just a completely different, different level doesn't even, different planet. You saw Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter and Square, saying that he will be donating one billion dollars. This to the Smart Small LLC to fund global COVID-19 relief, adding that after we disarm this pandemic, this focus will shift to girls' health and education and UBI. Also noting it will operate transparently, it will be publicly tracked. And adding, I hope this inspires others to do something similar. Life is too short, so let's do everything we can today to help people now. And the final person I'll mention here is Harry Styles. Though I will note there was a little bit of a controversy here. So Harry Styles today announced that he was selling t-shirts to raise funds for those fighting the coronavirus. Right, and so for $26, fans can get a white tee with a black slogan printed on the front and back, the front reading, stay home, stay safe, protect each other. The back reading, this t-shirt fights COVID-19, treat people with kindness. And according to the official website where you can pre-order the item, 100% of profits will be donated to the COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund for the World Health Organization powered by the UN Foundation. And while many were excited about the news and rushing to order their shirts, others raised several concerns. Some argued that encouraging people to donate directly or doing so himself would be a better move rather than possibly losing some of that money to cover production expenses. Many were also concerned about those who would now have to make and deliver the shirts. Some noting those those people, they're clearly not staying home and staying safe. Don't people have to go out to work to manufacture these shirts? Isn't that really contradictory? But on the other side of this, you had people supporting and defending. Harry. Noting that the shirts aren't expected to ship until four to six weeks after receiving a purchase confirmation, which might signal the manufacturers are holding off on production or slowing it down to ensure safety. However, I will say no information about those details has actually been confirmed or explained. Others also arguing that some people who might have not just donated directly might now do it because they have something they can get. Also, I will say this kind of backlash was not completely unexpected. You know, for example, we saw Rita Ora facing similar criticism last month after releasing her own merchandise to raise funds for that same organization. But also regarding styles, this was not a surprising move. Earlier this year, he launched a treat people with kindness movement and created a range of merchandise with profits distributed to local charities around the world. But ultimately, what I'll say regarding my reaction to this based off of what we have right now, I can't really fault Harry Styles for this. I mean, right on the page where people can buy this shirt where 100% of the profits will go to a charitable organization, there is also a link to that charitable organization that goes straight to a page where you can donate directly. And so, you know, I think this raises awareness for the charity. I do agree that I think there are gonna be a number of people that would not have just donated directly and kind of wanted something to show for it. Also, that shirt in theory could serve as promotion to this charity 
charitable effort. People see it in pictures or videos on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And I also don't want to make it a habit to shit on people who are trying. Right? I mean, Harry Styles could have just as easily avoided criticism by just doing nothing. Right? I mean, sometimes you just look at some of the stories that are out there and you're like, it, it, people are almost incentivized to not try. Right? The news comes out, so-and-so did this. A lot of people start responding. Well, that's not enough. Right? And you know, there is a cynical conversation to be had about how many of those people that are donating it are doing it for like good press. But I don't know. I, I personally can't fault him for trying. Uh, but that said, you know, that's personally my point of view. What's yours? Do you agree? Disagree? Why? Why not? I I'd love to know. And then, well, this has been an expected move for a while now. Bernie Sanders made a big announcement today. And so today, I am announcing the suspension of my campaign. Today, I congratulate Joe Biden, a very decent man, who I will work with to move our progressive ideas forward. And while in this announcement, he did not officially endorse Joe Biden, also mentioning that for practical reasons that he will remain on the ballots in upcoming primaries. This to exert influence on the party's platform. And he also said that after the Democratic National Convention, then together, standing united, we will go forward to defeat Donald Trump, the most dangerous president in modern American history. And as far as what I'll say about this announcement and this news, once again, it was not unexpected. It was a statistical certainty that this was going to happen. But even with Bernie Sanders suspending his campaign, I think it's incredibly important to note not just his candidacy, but his movement. I mean, think about how much the national conversation has changed since he was a candidate back in 2016 to now. Right? How many people that went from hearing him in 2016 going, those ideas are outlandish. Now 2020, where there was way more interest in his ideas from many more people. Though, unfortunately for he and his supporters at this time, not a majority. And understand this isn't one of those spin roomy, somehow there's winning and losing speeches. It, it, it's not. But I think it's important we don't dismiss the change that we've witnessed over the past four years because movements change. They do take time. And seeing how the national conversation has changed over the past four years, it makes me wonder on what things could he potentially move Biden left on? But also it makes me wonder where we as a society will be in even just four years from now. I mean, on healthcare, immigration, education, debt, so many important topics. But back to the election, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with his supporters. Right? How many in the general won't vote or they'll vote for someone else? How many people will actually move to Biden? But ultimately, we're gonna to have to wait and see. Then let's talk about our daily coronavirus numbers. In the United States, as of 3 p.m. Eastern, we saw 404,352 confirmed cases, 13,829 confirmed deaths, 22,775 recoveries. And as far as globally, you had 1.475 million confirmed cases, 86,979 deaths, 317,372 two total recoveries. Now here's the thing, while numbers globally are still on the rise, we're starting to see a lot of countries announce that they are easing restrictions or starting to look at doing so in the future. Definitely the most notable example at the top of the news today is Wuhan, which just ended its lockdown today after 76 days. And according to reports, the move comes as only three new cases were reported in Wuhan over the last three weeks. And with reopening, travel restrictions were also lifted. So now people can leave Wuhan as long as they show authorities a government sanctioned phone app that reportedly, quote, indicates based on their home address, recent travels and medical histories, whether they are contagion risks. And according to local reports, they're within just hours of lifting the ban around 65,000 people had left the city by train and plane alone. Right? That's not even including the thousands who were allowed to leave by car or bus once the roads were open. But despite all of that, Chinese health officials said yesterday that Wuhan residents were still being pushed not to leave their neighborhoods, the city, or the province unless necessary. And so with those two different bits of information existing at the same time, there are a lot of concerns that this could lead to a second wave of the virus. And I mean, just once again, to look at the numbers, and obviously these are the public numbers. Yesterday we saw the number of confirmed cases there jumping 
from 32 to 62, which is notably the highest it's been since March 25th. But also very, very notably, new imported infections made up 59 of those cases. Now, just today, Chinese health officials have said that asymptomatic cases quadrupled, going up to 137 from just 30 the day earlier. And once again here, officials said that 102 of those cases were travelers. And that is something incredibly significant, though not unexpected. And the reason for that is this is something that we've seen happen in other places, right? Singapore, Hong Kong, South Korea, and Taiwan had all flattened the curve, but then travelers from the United States and Europe began bringing the virus back. That then prompting all those places to implement much stricter social distancing and immigration controls. And as far as other countries were seeing ease restrictions, on Monday we saw both Denmark and Austria announce that they will slowly start opening up parts of the country starting next week. The Czech Republic eased some restrictions yesterday and said that it will start allowing some travel next week. And in fact, just today, Spain's government announced that the country will start returning to normal life starting April 26th. And while Spain didn't give specifics about how those restrictions would be lifted, a lot of people are especially concerned about Spain. And that being because Spain is one of the hardest hit countries with the second highest number of confirmed cases after the United States. While we saw the number of reported fatalities in the country slow last week, the number of deaths in the country has risen again just in the last two days with 757 today and 743 yesterday. But Spain is also not alone here. Germany and France have also said that they're preparing and looking at options to ease restrictions. This despite the fact that some forecasts show that the outbreak is growing rapidly in both countries, which have also seen recent rises in confirmed cases and deaths. Belgium, which is also looking to ease restrictions, reported its deadliest day of the outbreak today. And this morning, the United States reported the largest single-day coronavirus death toll of any country. And something we're seeing here in the States, you had Mike Pence saying the CDC is considering changing guidelines to make it easier for essential workers who have been exposed to someone who has been infected to return to work if they don't have symptoms. And according to the report, a person familiar with the proposal under consideration said under the proposed guidance, people who are exposed to someone infected would be allowed back on the job if they are asymptomatic, test their temperature twice a day, and wear a face mask. But with this, a lot of experts say that it's way too early to be opening things up. Just today, the World Health Organization's director for Europe warned that despite seeing positive signs, it's too early to relax containment measures, saying now is not the time to relax measures. It is the time to once again double and triple our collective efforts to drive towards suppression with the whole support of society. With another top WHO official adding, we have got to ensure that the public understands we're moving to a new phase. It's not lifting lockdowns and going back to normal, it's a new normal. Right, and to that point, according to reports, many experts believe that things won't return to that normal until we have a vaccine. With some even saying that this idea that immunity would rise fast enough to relax social distancing measures before a vaccine was out, that is totally out of the picture. But at the same time, we saw Dr. Fauci today say that the Trump administration has been working on plans to eventually reopen the country, saying if, in fact, we are successful, it makes sense to at least plan what a re-entry into normality would look like. But adding, that doesn't mean we're going to do it right now, but it means we need to be prepared to ease into it, and there's a lot of activity going on. And all of this, including Fauci's statement right here, makes me think back to what Fauci has said in the past, that we kind of have to be flexible. But ultimately, that's where we are with the situation right now, and we'll have our eyes glued to see what happens next. And that is where I'm going to end today's show. And hey, if you like the video, hit that like button. If you're new here, you want more, definitely hit that subscribe button, tap that bell to turn on notifications so you don't miss these daily videos. Also, if you're looking for more to watch and you don't mind it being my dumb face, you can click or tap right there to watch that. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you tomorrow. I hope you like the video. Subscribe if you like it.